Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Well, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm joined here in the studio. Yeah, man, studio sounds really official. It is. It's a man cave no, office. It's a studio-man cave. One yeah. of those really nice places to be at. Which is a mess right now. No, man. Oh, man. come on, man. You're yeah. too positive. It's a stinking mess. I've It looks fantastic. Deer, deer season, I feel like I can't catch yeah. up on <laughs> almost anything. Um, <laughs> you pop the mic. <laughs> yeah, I guess. There we go. Right there. It should yeah, be good. That should yeah, be, that should work. Um, but like deer and deer season, I can't, I feel like I can't catch up on anything. Yeah. Like. It happens. Like work. Yeah. Uh, family. Um podcasting you know like like if i have to sit here and talk about what i would rather be doing i would rather be sitting in the woods Uh trying to kill a deer but you gotta instead sit in the office and talk about deer hunting which is still fun but man i choose my priorities are this time of year always just deer like Uh, something i have learned um recently you know, especially if you really want to try to, like, get to you guys' level or something like that, man. You guys' level. My level is low right now. No, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you you are the kind of guys that I look for. But, I mean, like, if you want to get to you, your level in particular and all that, oh, Mr. Michael Perry and Mr. Tony Myers and people of that caliber, you know, even even uh, Ben Price, my buddy Ben Price, um, dude, this is not a season, like, this is a lifestyle, yeah it's, it's actually a lifestyle and all your kind of like priorities and family members and everything will be inside of the circle but at the end of the day when it's deer season that's going to be the priority and uh you and know, you can make good decisions like i've i've tried making good decisions um like like coming home early from a trip so that i could be there for for yeah. for family or yeah. uh my daughter she was doing cheer yeah. Early season, and I made a good decision to go and be at her games on Saturdays, even though it was deer season. Um, that's great. 
You know, like I'm, I made those decisions, and a lot of guys, uh, guys who work every day, you know, they they make the decision to be responsible and, yeah. and go and work. But priority, yeah, mm-hmm. is different to me. Yeah. Like priority is what I'm thinking about, yeah. right? Like I want to be in the woods. Yeah, maximize exactly yeah, the time, and so. Um, yeah, I get, we, oh, that was a long way of introducing you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. I got my buddy Pablo here. Um, Pablo, tell us uh, where you're from, kind of what you do. Ah, uh, well, uh, first off, is is an honor, man. You don't you don't really don't know how much this means to me. Uh, it's an honor to being here. Um, big time follower, man. I mean, love the things that you do. And uh, my name is Pablo. I was originally born in Costa Rica. That's way down there in Central America. And, um, you know, down there, deer hunting is illegal. Um, all kind of hunting is illegal. But uh, it seems like I did have, like, the caveman on, on me or something like that. Because <laughs> I always was picking up, like, slingshots and, like, blowguns and killing everything, dude. I mean, you so so did you just admit to breaking the law when you were there? Like, could, it, well, could you do that? Could you shoot birds and stuff like that? Not really, but I mean, we were eating them. I oh, mean, okay. Now, the only birds that we never shot was macaws, you know, like blue macaws and real macaws. Mm-hmm. They were really pretty, but I mean, like any kind of like purple pigeons, uh, blue pigeons, I mean, you name it. Um, Slots, monkeys, we never eat the monkeys because they just, you know, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, with slingshots man everybody just blasting them and then we'll be coming home with 30 40 birds and everybody just peeling peeling them up and could you have could you get something. in trouble for that if you oh yeah definitely yeah definitely uh most likely and especially you know uh costa rica is a country uh where the main income is the tourism you know so they try to sell themselves uh to the to the world as a green country where hunting is illegal we have the best laws and this and that ain't nothing but makeover and this is the opinion from an insider you know i was born and raised in there there's a lot of corruption there's a lot of bad things and uh, they take away like a way to provide meat for their family for people you know that cannot afford um it's a third world country you know so so it's economically it's really difficult down there you know so they take away the chance for somebody else to go get some meat for their family just because we're super green we don't have an army i mean we're like the best of the best and, and i'm not like shooting. liberals liberals dang pretty much best place in the world yeah pretty much best place in the world and i'm not trying to shoot fire i mean i mean fire shots i'm sorry yeah but at the same time i'm doing it because um Dude, they claim something that I always hate, and I was like, that's a double moral, you know, like that's being a hypocrite. They claim, like, we do not have an army since 1948. Yeah, that's absolutely right. But they have a war on the street with the crime and robberies and, like, armed robberies. It's all because the, the citizens have no right for bare arms, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the citizens don't have the chance that we do right here. And they don't have, like... A lot of things that we have in here. That's when I'm kind of like a get a little bit skeptical and afraid. And I'm like, this is a deja vu. The things like the current situation that we're living right here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus Christ. That's what I was running away from, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's happening here. Uh, and um, well, but that's a completely different subject, you know. We're no, just that's, like a, that's that's good though. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I think it's easy to get wrapped up in um, 
uh, where you know it's not so bad here. It's 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 good here. Things are going yeah. well. At least it's not a third world country or whatever. But talking to a guy who was raised from one, raised yeah, in one, man. you're like, yeah, it kind of is going. We're in that heading direction. that direction, dude. And as soon as we go down that hill, there ain't no turning back. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you know, you know. And I I, I mean like. I feel like extremely grateful with God and you know I'm really blessed for first of all living in the US you know I've been living here for about 12 years um been living the best days of my life since I came here That's and I was going to say that too you know, you're not complaining about United States I don't think I've ever no. met a person that was more grateful to be a yeah. citizen and, and and also you know I'm I'm so grateful for like being able to chase these beautiful creatures on public land dude. Yeah? I mean, like, and that's part of the whole story right here. You know, when I came from Costa Rica, again, the only background hunting skills that I have, it was the things that I did up there. And then suddenly I'm here and they're like, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and kill some deer. And I was like, what? Where? <laughs> you know, and uh, so let's tell the story. I, wanna, I want people one? to hear the story about like you, I guess you're at work or something like that. And people were talking about hunting and you're like, what in the world? I got to do that, and then yeah. kind of how you got, how you got uh, connected with uh, Mr. Tony Myers oh, and all that so, stuff. So, so we're working, you know, and uh, and everybody talking about deer hunting and all that. Uh, man, I was introducing a few firearms, you know, and I was like, man, this is amazing. I was, you know, just fishing and all that. Suddenly, uh, they start showing some pictures of deer, you know, and I'm like, man, that's nice, you know, where. Where can can you do that? They're like, man, you you can go hunt in public land, but you also need some um, uh, private land, and usually in private land, that's that's when you kill the big deers and all that stuff. So I was kind of like set back a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, do I really want to go and do that stuff? It looks mighty fun. Uh, so we're pouring concrete out there in Malton, and Thomas working on the construction company, and uh, we're doing kind of like the the concrete pour right there now on on Malton Street. And this gentleman comes by, he's talking with my stepdad, which he was the owner of the company. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, I, I, I need some concrete done on my house and all that. So Rick is like, hey, man, um, uh, that gentleman right there, he needs some side work that you want to do. And I was like, yeah, definitely. So I go there. So it was a Saturday. We did the pour for Mr. Tony at the time. I didn't know who was Mr. Tony, man. And um, I walk up inside. Well, I didn't walk. My stepdad came out and he's like, hey, son, let me show you something. And we walk up inside. Dude. He got these giants, I mean, all <laughs> over his wall. And I'm losing my mind, you know. And How long he, ago was this? Dude, like 10 years. 10 years at ago. At least, you know. And at the time, you know, uh, uh, my English is still pretty choppy, but at the time it was even worse. <laughs> you know, because you got to remember, I did not went to school. I just pretty much like learn you know right there work and all that stuff you know so so you so you didn't learn english like by going to any classes or anything no just like i went to yeah i went to work dude and uh, (laughs) it was like a gamester standoff nothing but signs you know and uh i was the only way to communicate to be honest and 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 i was like pointing things and uh and and i started in construction and they were like we gotta take care of this piece and i was like okay and boom hammer it down you know and they were like jesus christ you know and I, it was a madhouse man for like six months until i was like pointing things like what is this they were like shovel and i was like shovel shovel and just like that until finally man i mean i started breaking the puzzle you know? I, I got it but but anyway so i go inside man mr tony got these 
Giants. For those who don't know who's Mr. Tony Myers, he's one of the Alabama legends, you know, that I got the pleasure to meet. And I, I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, like I never seen something like that in my life. And um, he's like, yeah, man, he started explaining public land. And I was like, what is public land? You know, like, oh, man, there's some areas. And, and my stepdad, he was kind of like this encouraging me. He probably didn't want me to get in trouble, you know, but he was like, man, that public land, you're going to get shot at. I mean, you got to be like completely covered with uh, orange because people's going to get to you and all that. So I tried to get some. Uh, some deer went to public land and all that. I didn't see a single deer for the first three years because the day that I, after I seen Mr. Tony, I came back home and I was like, deer hunting tips on YouTube. <laughs> the first thing, I, you know, the first thing, I don't know if I can mention, uh, can I mention channels? And oh, Might as well. It was yeah. all, no, no, it's okay. It was all these big YouTube channels about the yeah. Midwestern private property where, where they have this uh, uh, paradise, you know, where the... Uh, 160 170 roams free on these properties zero pressures you know ain't nothing but a high fence but they just don't show that stuff anyways that's the first thing that i encounter and i'm hooked into it dude. i mean i'm watching these guys killing these giants and they make it look so easy man i mean they got deer walking 10 feet from them and all that stuff and that uh, man and i'm like absorbing information the wrong information you know so I go ahead, man, and I remember seeing one of them guys grabbing something and spraying himself with just, and at the time, like I said, my English was really poor, so the only thing that I cut, like, that I saw was scent, you know, <laughs> scent, that's what I saw, and I was like, okay, he's spraying himself down with scent, so I go to Walmart, and I get this stuff that is like, though you're in scent, you know, <laughs> and I said, this is the one, you know, so I picked up the thing, and I start taking a shower on the thing, man, and I was like... <laughs> The, yeah, You're taking a shower. Yeah, I mean, literally spraying the crap out of me, my head. My, I mean, I'm, and I'm like coughing, and I'm like, God, dude, this is really strong, you know. But I was like, it's okay. They're gonna jump on top of me in just a second. I'm gonna and have, the, yeah, and, and that they did. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, of course I didn't see a thing. Yeah, you know. Then I come home, and my wife is like, get out of here, you know. I mean, I'm covered up with those and I and dude, I did that thing for like. A solid year until finally somebody's like, wait a minute, what are you doing? You know, and I was like, hey, they, they put, and they were like, no, 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 you know. <laughs> but uh, I was up there in the place that one of the places that I hunt, uh, rattling ants, making all this noise in the middle of a cut cornfield. Just with a little bit of castle that I make myself with a bunch of corn cups, <laughs> just right there, like at any moment, deer is gonna come every direction. I'm gonna choose the biggest one and I'm gonna shoot it. And I never saw a single deer for three years. Three years doing the wrong thing based on all this bad information from YouTube and all these direct TV, you know, TV channels and all that stuff. So I was like, dude, this is about to change. I mean, I and, and it's funny because I didn't get this discouraged. I mean, I did, but I, at the same time, I was like, well, I don't have no background. Um, my stepdad's not a hunter. So he had no clue about it. He was like, well, you just got to go in the woods and shoot one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and also I'm self-taught to archery as well. Never had a bow before in my life. What I have, like I told you, was a slingshot and blowguns. And the blowguns, dude, it was like PVC, not PVC, I'm sorry, steel pipe or copper pipe. Mm -hmm. You know, about four feet of it. And we used to go to the river and dig some clay out of the river and make the pellets out of the, like out of the clay. But you have to keep the clay in your pocket, like in a plastic bag, kind of wet. And uh, you're just pretty much like forming the pellets as you go and that's what we used to shoot with the birds and uh, it doesn't it sounds kind of crazy but like moist 
uh, clay, dude, it's like a punch, yeah. legit, and it will just knock him out. Uh, That's wild, because somebody in America would feel like, uh, like, like an Indian trying yeah. to hunt like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's it's like the same idea as like shooting one with a recurve. You guys are yeah. like hand making all this the pellet, stuff. Yeah, you keep yeah these pellets mm-hmm. and shooting birds with. It. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It was, and it was, it, and it wasn't everybody. It was a handful of us, you know. And uh, you got to keep like first. One of the things that I figured out was like, if you make the pellets like you already pre-made the pellets and keep them in your pocket because they're moist, they're gonna get flat like a pancake. Mm-hmm. And when you really need it, then you're not gonna have it ready. So we used to have like one or two in these fingers like this, you know, ready to go and just kind of keep moving them around. And then the big ball of clay in your pocket, moist in a plastic ball. And whenever you use them to shoot them, you know, you pick up your birds, put it in your pack. Um, man, just get a little bit more clay and do another balls, you know. And it comes a time where you will do the perfect diameter, dude. I mean, just for some reason, I guess you get used to repetition, you know. Mm-hmm. And you will know how far and how much you got to keep, you know, squeezing them things until you got the perfect size. And it was like, <laughs> bam, bird down, you know. Boom, bam, bird down. Just pick him up, just like that. And, and it's unlimited. You just dig the clay out of the river. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's all that you need. You don't have to buy it. Yeah. Man. And then at the end of the day, we used to um, dip the like uh, the blowguns, which was the the pipe pieces, mm-hmm. on the water, so all the clay all the clay residue from the interior of the of the pipe will completely washed off, and uh, and that way um, it was ready to go clean for next morning. That's just and, freaking cool. Yeah, that we sounds used to, fun. Yeah, dude, we used to go fishing and uh, do on our way to the river. Um, Man, we used to pick up oranges, nectarines, I mean, bananas, all kinds of fruits, you know, from the trees. Um, and then you go to the river and fish, whatever, catfish, bram, I mean, you name it, and just cook them out there, man. And, and dude, we're talking about, like, I was like a 10 years old, and we are on the jungle where you have, like, actual man eaters. Dude, now that I'm, I'm 33, by the way, I look back, and I'm like, I don't really know what my mama was thinking when she was like, yeah. A, oh, yeah, y'all going to go through the job. Oh, yeah, that, go ahead. You know, mm-hmm. dude, nothing but like three or four, ten years old on sandals and flip-flops with a tank top and a short with man eaters like panthers, jaguars, you know, big snakes, like super like Ferdinand snakes and all that stuff. And dude, we used to walk to a little bit of trail. Like, ain't nothing. Now I'm like, a, I'm going in there if I got a shotgun with me, a machete, <laughs> yeah. you know, most likely an AR as well will be really handy. I mean, I just won't do it no more. But that's what we used to do, and it was kind of normal. So then going back to the story, I came here, and, uh, well, man, I was getting super frustrated. Um, just concealed the deal on the deer, and I said, dude, I'm going to go look for Mr. Tony. And I told my stepdad, I said, man, do you remember Mr. Tony Myers? He said, yeah, yeah. And I said, man, I'm going to look for him, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go find him. Yeah, he's it's, like, it's, a, I don't know if he's still living in that place. I don't even remember. And I said, I remember it was kind of like you go down the hill and then you make a ride. And he was just somewhere in there, you know. He's like, a, oh, boy, you know. And I do, I dress nice, you know. And I was like, well, I'm fixing to go. Something's going to happen. I'm going to find Mr. Tony. Well, I'm going to get shot for trespassing, you know, <laughs> but something is going to go down. And, uh, and, and I was like, I know that concrete because I was the one who poured that concrete. So I know how it looks like. 
And I went in there, and sure enough, that's the concrete, man. And I, I went all the way to the back of the property. I first knocked on the front door. Nobody came out. And I was like, uh, well, I'm not giving out. And, dude, I literally trespassed the property and went to the <laughs> rear, like on the back. And I was like, any moment, I'm fixing to get, I'm fixing to catch around, you know, a piece of land on my chest at any single moment. I knock on the back door. That's where his man cave's at, you know. And I remember that. Then he pops out. He's like, okay, buddy, can I help you, you know? And I was like, hey, Mr. Tony, it's me. You know, he was like. No kidding, man. I remember you. Dude, he remembered me, man. And I, and I, he got me inside of the house. And and then um, we started talking. And I was like, man, this and that. And I, Mr. Tony pretty much, like, he he said that he saw, like, a, like a spark in a fire in my eyes, you know. And I, he wanted to help me. He wanted to, like, take me under his wing and with knowledge and all that. Because I wasn't asking, like, man, you got to let me know which tree i'm gonna climb and at what time that deer is gonna be here no you know i just want to like please show me what am i doing wrong and he's like okay let's go step by step what do you do he was like i know it's scratching out the window like that's absolutely wrong and uh then he's the one who introduced me to Banghead and all that stuff then i came across with mr michael perry and um then i started like coming across really good people and then luckily for me last year actually around this it was december the 20th when I got in contact with you, mm-hmm. uh, when I got that big one uh, on that area that we can recover uh, with the dog and all that stuff, that was my first time that I, I mean, like I was like I, I talked to you, you know, and about it. Like, do you and some other YouTubers are like my go-to, you know? So you have yeah, you tell me like Catman. Yeah, you really like watching Catman. A yeah, lot. do it yourself uh, with yep. Jeremy. You did a podcast with him and yep. Jeremy and Aaron and uh, Daniel. You know, because you guys face the struggles that your everyday hunter do. You know, you guys face the struggles and you guys show the struggle of a public land hunter. You know, and, and that's like as raw as it can be, man. I mean, that's legit. You know, that's the kind of situation that we encounter. And, and man, uh, you know, you have no idea how much this means to me right now, being sitting right here talking with you and all that. Because from being desperate like seriously desperate to try to find some help to find somebody that will guide me and will teach me like you're doing this wrong or you're doing this right to being right here with you discussing about deer hunting being able to go hunt with you and all that stuff you know it's it's a it's a huge accomplishment man Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too like gift cards, free stuff, like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you, the ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your workday, A good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. 
When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out sixdaygrindcoffeeco.com today. That's the word six, followed by daygrindcoffeeco.com. Well, you know, sitting here listening to you talk about it, there's a lot of people, um, especially in social media yeah. day and age, that when when somebody asks for help, they're not asking for help. They're asking for handouts. Yeah. Right? And, That's a complete, yeah. And it's with anything. Yeah. Um, you can, let's let's go back to how you, you got here yeah. to mm-hmm. the U.S. Yeah. You did everything legally. It took what seven years? It took. It was a long process. Yeah, like a seven years of a, like an immigration process. Then I came here, you know, and I came here uh, luckily and thankfully. Well, things together came here with a um, with a green card. Um, we flew up into Houston, Texas, because the Rick and Airport is like a one landing strip. It's mm-hmm. one, and uh, it has like five or six gates or something like that. It was my first time in an airport. I don't know where we landed in Houston. It's a city, like the Houston <laughs> airport. I'm like blown away. You know, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like you went into the future? Yeah. I was <laughs> like, where are we at? And my mom just guiding me through. And I'm just, I just have this like, I bet you like this stupid look on my face because I've never seen something <laughs> like that in my life. And I'm 21 years old just looking like, oh my God, you know. And um, dude, we finally made it to Alabama. Uh, I was amazed, man, with with the cities like Huntsville, you know, and uh, and and then the first time they took me to Walmart, I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, let's let's stay right here, you know, forever, you know, like I mean, I was just. <laughs> you know, it's the second time we've talked about how much you love Walmart today. Yeah, dude. yeah, and uh, dude, I was like literally looking like at tomato sauce cans. I was like, a, oh my God, look how many different tomato sauce cans they are. Like, are you gonna cook with tomato? And I was like, no, but I never seen so many, you know, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, look how many batteries, you know, like double A, triple A square batteries round batteries like i was like oh my god they're like do you need batteries and i was like, i don't even have flashlights they're like oh they have a flashlight section losing my mind you know like oh man just grabbing everything anyways that's my favorite store by the way but you and, uh um, you came here though with i mean it takes a lot of patience to come it does legally yeah it does and, and it's not like i mean you can't apply and all that stuff but in my case it was a different situation i wasn't like on the um on the A category, category number one, something like that. Like a, my stepdad is, you know, is an Alabama born and raised. My mom got married with him. Therefore, you know, she became a citizen. And then she applied for me as a, as a dependent or as a son, if we can say it like that, you know. So I waited for all the documents to go through. Uh, finally, when it did happen, dude, I, at some point I thought that it was not going to happen because it's been so many years. Because it's, it's a process. Like, yeah. after it gets approved in this office, it got to go in that office and so on and so on until somebody's like, a, yeah, it's good to go. So I thought that it was never going to happen, just being honest with you. And I was like, I'm just going to proceed with my life and I'm going to keep doing the thing that I did. So I went to community college, man, and uh, my goal was becoming a, a sport fishing captain. So what I did, man, I did pretty much about two years worth of uh, deep sea fishing 
every day. Well, not about two years, uh, first six months, it was all about like biology of the species and these and that. And it was like a classroom. Style. This was when you were in Costa Rica. In Costa Rica, okay. yeah. And then um, uh, after I graduated as a deckhand, because uh, down there, man, you know, sport fishing is a really big thing. You know, it's really big species and all that, like a big money ball. And that's something funny, man. Let me tell you something. They they preach all this about the not hunting. We don't kill anything and all that. But guess what? Fishing regulations, <laughs> they ain't none. If you if you can go ahead and catch a hundred red tail snappers the same day, get them all in the <laughs> boat. You know, I mean. It's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, and then that's funny. It's a lot of corruption. And then you got the Chinese government, you know, out of nowhere, like building a bridge for free as a friendship for the Chinese government to Costa Rica. And it's like, everybody's like, dude, that ain't for free. I mean, what are you talking about? Next thing you know, there's a Chinese ship like slaughtering fin uh, sharks for the fins, just for fins, for fins. So because Chinese, you know, they they eat everything. And, uh, <laughs> and apparently it has like magic... Um, qualities for healing or, and uh, shark they, fins they will cut the dorsal fin and the pectoral fins and they will throw the whole shark alive on the water and just let it die just let it die just like that do they eat the fins yeah they do like a soup you know and like i said it's supposed to have like this super good like it's kind of like a, i don't know how to say this it. it's one of those like exotic um healing meals or something like that because you know they believe and they have weird beliefs and uh that is interesting dude they will be murdering like thousands of sharks so they did all that in costa rica they built yeah. the bridge all that so that they could come and i mean they, the they or is there more stuff oh it, it's a lot more things you okay know? i was like that's a lot to do for yeah no it has to because i mean at the end of the day it's all about the corruption there's a lot of corruption um yeah so Oh, my house, oh. my house down there. Well, my mama's house. We used to live. We used to have like rebars on the windows, on the doors. I mean mm -hmm. everything. And when I came here, oh man! If you live like a anything, let's say you just live outside like a pot with a plant, that thing ain't gonna be there tomorrow morning. <laughs> really? Somebody's gonna steal it and not like a cracker or something like that. Cause it's plenty cracker. Sometimes you just feel weird. You open the doors like. Man, that's kind of weird where the crack is at you know there ain't no crack is this morning laying around that's the kind of environment you know Golly. and then i came here and i was like jesus christ doors, the crack yeah at? yeah i was like the doors wide open they got a bicycle in the yard i mean look at that car is unlocked i was like how those people live right here man i won't be able to go to bed knowing that you know some moment somebody's gonna come in and then my, my stepdad's like well son that's why we got guns i was like <laughs> yeah that's definitely we've got the guns yeah huh? i was like okay okay yeah that's that's even better and uh do razor wire bulb wire around your backyards and all that stuff like a jail so you avoid people breaking into your house and all that stuff i went to uh peru one time oh yeah and peru i mean a lot of the towns there that we were in were pretty nice you know they're yeah. they're modern and and whatever but there was they would put like a layer of cement on top of their uh on top of their wall, their security and wall, glasses. and then put glass in it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, yeah, that happens on there It's like their too. version of barbed wire fence. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the cheaper version because you mm -hmm. can get glass everywhere. You know, so you just pretty much stick it up there, and it's it's really ineffective. But at least it's gonna be inconvenient for somebody. You <laughs> yeah, know? you're yeah. gonna no, you're gonna make him. Yeah, you're gonna make him think twice. Like, ah, do I really want to jump in there? Ah, I'm as well just go to the next one. But 
but you came here with with this with this patience, and uh, I think whenever for me, whenever I saw that about you, kind of told me your story, yeah. you told me everything that happened. It doesn't. I, I understand uh, Tony's reasoning. I understand kind what he point. says about yeah. the about the fire in your eyes. Like you tell that whole story, and you're like, man, this guy ain't looking for an easy way out. He yeah. wants to learn how to do. No, because and, and this is the funny thing. So I came here, man. Remember. Um, Made it through Houston and all that stuff. Made it to my stepdad's uh, man, uh, my stepdad's homes and all that. And uh, he's like, "Ah, right, son, let me let me tell you something. Let me talk to you about something." I got my mama translating me. He says, um, and he showed me some really tough love, man. But I really appreciate that because that's what make me who I am, you know. And uh, he said, "You got ninety days to find a job, learn some English." Save money, get a car, get an apartment, and get a driver's license. Time is up. Just like that, yeah. 90 uh, days. 90 days. I don't know where you got to realize. Like, I'm 21 years old. Um, I'm in a country, completely different place. Uh, I don't know the culture. I don't know the language. I have lost my freedom. Um, and, and when I say it like that, it's because I'm no longer available to just travel by myself. You know, I need my mom to drive me around and all that because my man got no public transportation. Mm-hmm. And also, we live up on there in the country, you know, in the countryside. And um, and I was a city boy, man. And, uh, you know, it, it was the biggest challenge and the most frustrating challenge that I have ever been through in my life. And at some point, I just decided, like, you know what, man? Screw this. I can just go ahead and, and, and try to save some money and go back and screw it, you know. And at the same time, I was like, I, and what am I going to do when I come back? I mean, like, a lot of people will give an arm and a leg for being able to come in these states with a green car in a legal way, the mm-hmm. way that I did, you know. So I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell people? They're going to just tell me, like, what happened? I'd be like, ah. Uh, it wasn't that I just, great. Yeah, I just didn't like it. I knew that I was lying to myself. And I could do that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I just couldn't fool myself. And I was like, I do. I don't want to be a loser. I want to get it done. And I want to get it set. And I'm going to face this with. I'm just going to give it my best. I'm just going to give it my best shot. So, I got a job. Like I told you, went to, I was like, okay, the first thing, I got to find a job. Where can I go? And um, I went to a Mexican restaurant. Because, I mean, if you try to use logic, it's going to be like, well, they speak Spanish and they're going to teach me some English, you know. So I went in there and I was like, I do, I need a job. Like, I will clean the floors. I will do the dishes. I mean, you just tell me and I will do it. He's like, man, it was the manager. He's like, I like that attitude, man. Um, I'm going to put you with this girl. She's going to train you how to be a waiter. And I was like, I don't understand English, dude. Like, what part you didn't understand? Like, I thought that we were speaking the same language right here. He's like, I know, man. She's going to teach you, you know. That's when I met my wife. And she taught you. And, and she did. And, and it was like a, like a, the Happy Happy Gilmore. No, a Bill Madison movie, you know, with the chalkboard and all that stuff. I swear to God, just like that, dude. So, and I was like, yeah, chicken fajita. You know, she was like, she was like, yeah, and all that. But um, do uh, within ninety days, we're living in an apartment together. I have a car. I have a driver's license. Dude, on my break from the restaurant, I was studying, trying to study the driver's license manual, and I have a dictionary on my right hand. 
I didn't understood a single a single word, man. I just didn't know. But I was trying to just reading, uh-huh. and I, I was like, "All right." And then my wife, she was kind of teaching me a little bit and all that. And I, I went and did my uh, reading test first in the computer and passed it on the first time. And do I walk out there like dabbing people? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I walk out of the office, I was like, "All right." And then it was the uh, the driving test. And, uh, and a lady jumped with me. She had an attitude from the beginning, you know, because I wasn't able to speak really good English. And I totally understand her position because she was nervous. She was like, Jesus Christ, we're fixing a wreck, you know. <laughs> and uh, she was like, Pablo, put it on reverse. And I was like, okay, doing like done, like turning on the parking spot. She was like, no, test drive is over, you know. And uh, finally, I did it twice. And the second time. Uh, she said, man, you have improved a lot and this and that. I got my driver's license within 90 days. I was good to go. And I was like on cruise control, you know. So I got in the restaurant and I started feeling comfortable. And I was like, okay, it's time to raise the bar. Let's go ahead and work on construction. I already know English. Like, I already know it all, man. Let's just go ahead and go. And I went to construction just to realize that I did not know anything. Like, the, <laughs> all the English that I learned from the restaurant, it was for the restaurant use. That you was knew how it. to say a bunch of different types, types of food yeah. in English. That, that, was, was that was about it, yeah. And it's like, do you want with or without? You know, and it's like a refill or things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, you want more? You know, things of, things of that nature. Suddenly we're going to construction where we're talking about like, and, and also you got to remember I'm coming with a metric system. Yeah. And I don't know where I'm on the imperial system. I'm in the standard system. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just bananas to me. Completely different. Completely different. I got to learn from zero back again because that was the right way to do, you know. And um, and everybody's trying to be really patient and all that stuff, but it's difficult, man. At some point, dude, I can't remember, man. I mean, I shouldn't know if I should say, but we're pouring, like, we're forming. You know, some some uh, concrete areas, like some concrete slabs. This guy told me, man, he worked on the construction for like three days and he quit. But the reason why is because I'm driving down the nail pins, you know. And he went up there and hauled the nail pin. But, man, I wasn't paying that much attention. And I swung the sledgehammer and cut him on his thumb, dude. Like, I missed the nail pin. I missed the pin. And he was holding the board. And I missed the pin. And I hit him on that thumb. Dude, that thing blew up like a pecan, man. Just boom. And the guy's like, ah, oh, you son of a brother. And all that stuff. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And he gets all pissed off, man. He jumps on his truck and takes off. And then the foreman comes by and he's like, Pablo, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. That guy's crazy. He just left. And he was like, for real? And I said, yeah, man. I mean, it just he said that he was tired, man. And he just left. And they were like, whoa, what a lazy boy, you know, because in construction, that's one of the things in construction you only learn about worse. Yeah. I mean, you learn how to cuss like the first day, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and um you know, that's pretty much what, uh, yeah, and uh, do, uh, I stayed in construction, uh, did really good, and I felt like it was time to raise the bar back again, you know, and I said, let's, let's try to get a better job, and I went and I hit the power company, you know, and uh, I started working with them, and it did great for several years, 
Um, I work in all departments, seriously. Uh, they were always trying to pull me into another place and uh, man, just living with the suitcase and all that and I didn't enjoy it. And then uh, I felt like it was time for me to raise the bar one more time and I was like, I'm gonna get my CDL, I'm gonna get hazmat, I'm gonna get tanker endorsement, I'm gonna get a boat uh, endorsement, like a vessel endorsement on my license and all that. And I just went all in because at the time, like my mind, my mindset changed like after the second year living here after the second year i was feeling part of like part as a part of the country mm -hmm. like i want more yeah like citizen. yeah and i was like a, let's just go ahead and learn how to live like an american learn the culture try to learn the language as much as as i can and just be one more man i mean just be thankful and grateful with this great nation because like i told you i've been living the best days of my life and then um then when that's what i did man and i was just like i'm just gonna be an uh, one more alabamian you know and and i did when i had the chance to apply for my citizenship it, it was an honor You know, because I honestly love this country, man. I honestly feel like one more. Um, I just feel like this is the place where I want to die. You know, like this is the place where I want to have a family and live for the rest of my life. Because uh, they ain't nothing like it. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people take this for granted. Like a lot of Americans are really spoiled and take this for granted, man. And they don't realize like this is the best country of the world, you know. And, and they don't realize how spoiled they are compared with some other places of, yeah. the, of the of the planet, you know. So to me, it's, a, it's an honor and, and it's, a, it's a privilege, man. But now that I'm a citizen, um, a proud, a, a, a daggone proud you citizen, um, dude, ain't nothing like it. Yeah. I just can't describe it like every morning. And I, and I want to appreciate, uh, take the chance and I... And I, and I just kind of like give a shout out to all the men and women from the u.s military you know because for people like them a guy like me wake up every morning knowing that i'm a free man and that i have all that i have and you know and you know it's not normal no mm -hmm. you know yeah from experience that yeah it's not normal to wake up and feel that way no. i don't know that mm -hmm. yeah exactly. i think it's i think it's It's really cool, and and when it comes to as it pertains to deer hunting too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like yesterday, me and you went out and hunted together for the yeah. first time, yeah. And it was pretty slow, but we had a dang good time. It was amazing, like, yeah. And, and I had a, if I had a, a slow day like that, um, by myself, I'd be like, flip, this sucks. Yeah. But going out with somebody, and you, and you were constantly saying like, man, it's just cool that we can be out here. And hearing this story, it makes a whole lot of sense because. Yeah. Like you know what it's like not to even have the opportunity to go and yeah, try exactly. mm -hmm. try to hunt, you know, and not have the right, or or the it's not a right, it's a privilege. Mm -hmm. Not having the privilege to enjoy, you know, this beautiful country, these beautiful mountains, chasing these beautiful animals while bearing our guns, mm -hmm. you know, and having a hunting body, somebody that feels and enjoys and respect the nature the same way that you do. Because, man, I mean, I, I had a blast yesterday, dude. Uh, I you're mean, talking about respect and nature. I saw you disrespect nature 
uh, when you toss that log ah. 100 feet <laughs> down the, yeah, down that, the I mean, that was funny because, I mean, like, I, I already, like, broke all the, all the sticks and all the twigs that I have laying around. And next thing I raised my head and I saw that, like, four feet log. And I was like, screw it all, son. I'm fixing to send it, you know, like. <laughs> so, basically, yeah. what we were doing, if you, if you haven't seen this, it's on Instagram Reels. Yeah. I put a video of it up because it's so funny. Um, I start rattling. And sometimes, you know, when I rattle, I'll, I'll, you know, hit the leaves yeah. and do all that stuff. I start rattling. Pablo starts, you know, going oh, to yeah, town yeah. on these leaves. Well, then it's it's more than just going to town. <laughs> at, at some point, he's like up on his feet throwing rocks and making like, like breaking twigs, pounding yeah. on the pounding on the ground yeah. to sound like feet, you know. Yeah. And it's actually pretty realistic. Yeah. And then I look over and he's got this four foot dead log in his yeah. hand and he tosses that joker into the holler dude that was hilarious yeah i was like while i'm sitting there rattling i'm trying not to lose it because i was just laughing so hard yeah that was that was funny because on my mind i was like a man if i throw this thing down the holler right here it's gonna keep bouncing it's gonna make a noise making it look like if it's the deer running you know yeah. like somebody won the fight but um yeah we had a blast man and it was I, fun dude uh the whole thing i mean since we left the boat from the boat ramp all the way up to when we came back, uh, I was more than thrilled and tickled, man. Just, I mean... Tell me this. Happy. I want to know from... from You talked about the three years. Yeah. The three years you didn't even see it here. Yeah. What what did... What were some of the things that Tony talked to you about or that he shared with you, which is going to be probably pretty entry level if most people... Yeah. If anybody's heard Tony talk about things, he's, he's probably talked in a little bit more of a advanced skill set. But yeah. I imagine to you, he was talking... Oh yeah, he, he, what were he the went, things that that like really changed your perspective, perspective, or your approach? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was pretty simple. You know, he just made it clear for me. He said, "Listen, well, first off, if you find the food source, you're gonna find your dose, and if you find your dose, then you're gonna find your bucks. Now they're not gonna be hanging around together." And I was like, "What do you mean?" You know, he's like, "There's a a rut." And I was, I didn't even know what it was at root, you know. I was, I was like, okay, so how does that work? Then he pretty much <laughs> did he draw yeah. a graph of how the rut works. No, he was like, aha, here we go. <laughs> you know, might as well take a seat because this is going to be a long one. So, birds and the bees. Yeah, he, he started like breaking down pretty much like all about the, the, the root and kind of like the species in general as a deer, you know, as a mammal. Um, how do they function and all that? So, he was like, okay, so first off, you got to stay away, like, in heavy pressure areas and things of that nature. You got to stay away from wide open, pretty hardwoods. And that's where I used to sit, like I told you, man. I mean, I could see about a mile away, and I was like, perfect. I'm going to see him walking all the way from there, and I'm going to kill him right here. Never saw a thing. You know, he's like, stay away from all these wide open, pretty hardwoods. It has an exemption, which... I might as well go ahead and address, and address it. He said, the only way and the only time that you want to be on those places, open hardwoods and all that, is when the rut is kicking. Because when they're kicking, their bugs, they lose their mind. They're loose, like, 
their security uh, aspect, the weekends are like that. They just don't mind exposing themselves, and they're going to be chasing, they're going to be running, and you're going to be able to get a shot at them, you know. He said, also start looking for your thickets, you know. That's where your does are going to be at. Trying to be on the downwind side of that stuff. Look, I didn't know anything about the wind either, man. I didn't know nothing uh, related about, like, um, how to walk in the woods, try to be stealthy as you're going in, and as you're going out, it's the same as important. You know, going out, being stealthy, especially if you're planning on going back to that area, you know, mm -hmm. uh, climbing up, man, and all that stuff. Dude, I didn't know what a deer stand was. Never seen one in my life. And they were like, a, you go out there and get you a, a deer stand. And I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was like Googling, like, what is a deer stand? <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to look like like two idiots, you know. But, man, he, he went up there and then he started explaining to me, listen, uh, whenever they start chasing and that's when the shit that's when the situation you're okay <laughs> you're fine Don't sorry about, about that yeah that's when that's when it goes crazy and um i was like okay so what do i gotta focus on then he started teaching me a little bit about rattling and all that he was like it's not your time first what you gotta try to do is get closer to the girls Try to kill those. Try to kill even and a lot of people's gonna you know not not gonna like what I'm about to say, but he was like trying to put some deer under your belt regarding regarding if it is a doe or a spike. Start mastering the craft because you gotta remember too. I'm self taught to archery. Never had a bow in my life. So when I went out there and seen this guy shooting, and I was like, that's super easy. You just get a bow, put an arrow in there, pull back, and, and the thing will go straight kill him, you know? <laughs> and uh, the first shot that I did at home, well, and I'm a lefty, just to make it better. So I go to Big Bug's shop, you know, first mistake. And uh, it was like a five so-called technicians all over my boat trying to figure out the thing and all that. And, man, I mean, I got the worst now that I know. I was, like, anchoring point, like, down here in the pip side. I'm trying to pick it. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, awful. And, uh, dude, I go home, put the target about 10 yards, and I send an arrow because the guy's like, yeah, you just got to set your pins. You know, like, that's really easy. You set your 10 or 20 and then you start moving down and i was like easy squeezy don't even i mean like i got this the first arrow hits my forearm like i say hit my forearm with a string smoke my forearm dude and the arrow goes through the siding of the house you know completely <laughs> missed the target my wife is losing it i mean my forearm dude i, I was looking it was so swollen and inflammated it was awful and uh, I was like, okay, there's something to it, you know. Here we go back again from point zero. And then I started coming across some good people and all that stuff. Mr. Tony introduced me to Mr. Dwight McKay, you know, archery. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, Mr. Uh, Jared as well, you know, that you introduced me to him. Yep. And those kind of people really, like, helped me, you know, finding the tune and all that. But anyways, going back to what we were talking about was try to put some deer on your belt. Uh, the does could be really tricky. He told me a lot of times the does, like especially early season and before the rut, they are harder to kill than a buck because it's usually a group of two or three of those. You got six eyes, six ears, three noses. And once they just start breaking that pulse and you start killing them does and all that stuff, that's when you start growing up as a hunter and you can actually start approaching killing them bugs, you mm -hmm. know, like, because their, their alertness is way, I mean, like, completely different than, than what a doe does. Yeah. I mean, sometimes 
Go you know, it, it's it's refreshing to hear people talk about it <clears throat> because in currently everybody's a everybody's a professional, right? Everybody's oh, yeah, an expert, yeah. mm-hmm. and every you can't you can't teach anybody anything. And so whenever somebody kills a spike or kills a four point or something like that, um, yeah, for a lot of people who have been doing it forever and who have really uh, fine tuned the craft of hunting yeah. for their whole life, yeah. yeah, don't maybe maybe don't, or yeah. if you don't want to, don't. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for you though, a guy who hadn't really even been around it, yeah. I mean. I probably didn't even Never. know white-tailed deer existed until yeah. you were 21 I, I, years old. Yeah, I knew there was some down there, but I have never seen one in my life, mm-hmm. you know? And so so you, um, I, I guess the point that I'm trying to get is you were given really, really good counsel, really good advice yeah. from Mr. Tony yeah. in that. And, and I, t- I tell people that to redo that every year. Yeah. Like, kill those every year yeah when you can exactly because all you're doing is continuing to fine-tune that aspect which is going to make you better Mm -hmm. um whenever it comes to trying to shoot a buck and trying to shoot any buck let's just let's just say any buck a spike any any, regardless any deer with a nutsack yeah Mm -hmm. you are going to be a better hunter when you learn when you graduate to the or not grad not graduate when you learn how yeah. to do that consistently and effectively yeah especially in public land it, absolutely you know? absolutely yeah. i mean uh i shot i shot a buck yesterday or not yesterday uh saturday yeah mm-hmm. and man it was it was one of those situations where uh you, you hate to be the guy that's saying not my biggest but it's not it's not that for me yeah it, i'm not worried about that yeah. i just honestly didn't want to i didn't want to kill a deer like that it was a it was a situation where he went into a thicket and uh got kind of hung up in there and i couldn't really get a good look at him yeah i could tell he had a rack and at one point it looked like decent rack you yeah. know and so <laughs> yeah. i yeah. shot him and ground checked him because it was my first buck tag of three yeah. for the state so it wasn't i don't lose much yeah it's completely legal and whatever i knew it wasn't gonna like destroy me to yeah. shoot a buck that maybe I didn't want to shoot. So, anyways, what I'm getting at is even shooting that deer, even though it wasn't the deer that I, it, it wasn't the, the type of deer that I intended to shoot. Yeah, it's still there's still aspects of that hunt that made me better yeah. as a hunter for mm-hmm. experiencing it. You have to look for them harder sometimes. You know, oh, if yeah. you shot a deer like that on that fourth year, man, you probably would have, uh, a whole new world would have opened up. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. already opened up to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but there are there are situations from almost every deer that I kill that makes me feel like I've learned something. Like I try to learn something. And so I think that's, I think that's solid advice. And I think what you've done and, and kind of how you've progressed. So you've got guys who are very, very consistent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. White tail killers. Yeah. Like buck killers. Yeah. That are willing to freely give you information. These guys, I know Michael Perry yeah. gets phone calls every day, text messages, yeah. Facebook messages every day asking for advice to the point where you cannot possibly help everyone. Yeah. You know, a, a, one man cannot possibly help every single person one on one. But they're willing to do that with you because I feel like you've 
approached it in a way that more people should. I love helping people that yeah. that are that that approach the way that you do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it, it makes you feel like you're being greedy or stingy or whatever with no. information when you don't. But everybody, you can tell when somebody's just asking for a handout. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much what we discussed yesterday on our way back. Uh, uh, we, we were like, uh, you know, like when somebody just really wants the free ride. And, and a lot of times, and I definitely understand you guys' point of view. And that's what I feel so blessed and so lucky. Because, I mean, dude, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, part of the process, you know, part of my process. And again, this is uh, this is individually Pablo. You know, this is what I do based on the needs that I have and based on the skills that I have. Because which are limited you know i mean they're growing in there and i'm expanding my my like like woodsmanship and all that stuff mm-hmm. everything is, is getting better but i mean like right now i do things that a lot of people might not agree or might agree but i do like po- uh post and pre-season scouting the one is like 90 plus 100 degrees and you got to deal with chiggers with thicks with mosquitoes rattlesnakes i mean you name it the not i mean like it's it's only a handful of people that really are willing to go and put like a whole day three or four miles in the woods scouting you know looking for a lot of people just don't like to do summer scouting mm-hmm. you know because i mean the bugs are going to be airy and everything yeah is i freaking hate it yeah <laughs> but i mean i hate it too but i was like this is part of what I have to do in right. order to like increase my knowledge, because I mean it's not only that we're looking for like uh, deer, kind of like a habitats and things of that nature, but also, man, while doing summer scouting, I can see like a bunch of different trees. Mm-hmm. I can identify trees. I can identify plants. I can identify food sources and just see like how do they look in comparison with. Uh, when we have the fall and all that stuff, because everything is different. I mean, people out there are probably saying like, yeah, the tree is going to have the leaves during the summer and ain't going to have no leaves during winter. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty basic. But, man, you can identify, like, an, if you're looking to a hillside, sometimes you might be able to identify what kind of trees you have in there based on the color mm-hmm. or the turning leaves, you know. That's something that I did not have that nobody taught me. And that's what I bought myself, a book of uh, Alabama trees, you know, like based on North Alabama. And I, I didn't know what a white oak was or a red oak or a white uh, water oak or nothing, dude. Mm-hmm. Mr. Tony Stormy right there. He pretty much start with the dose and with the food sources then he was like okay they do like acorns they they're browsers they're gonna be eating any green stuff around here and around there we got to be looking for the thickets because they like to bed you know they feel protected they feel secure and um keep going like that you know i learned through a lot of 
mistakes and a lot of trial and error, dude. And like, I never heard a deer blowing at me. And I remember listening to that and I was like, I think that's a bobcat. You know, and it was like, <laughs> and, and in my mind, I'm seriously thinking like, who knows what the crap it is? You know, probably it's a bobcat. I don't know. Deer blowing at me. And then I go, hey, Mr. Tony, this is what, he was like, oh boy, they bust you. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, he was like, that was deer. So I was like, okay, something new. Um, the way that I was facing, you know, my setups, sun in the front or sun in the back, getting busted, you know, the way that I was getting in, just kind of like a zigzagging my way through the woods, leaving my ground scent all over, man, not taking care of, like, my gear, my clothing and all that, man, and I be out there hugging my puppies, like, oh, I am, daddy's gonna go hunting, you know, and then I'd be heading to the woods with nothing but dog scent all over me, you know, yeah. so, so it was... It's been, I'm still making mistakes, dude. And I, but, but those kind of mistakes are the ones that really help you all grow as a hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, let's talk about this season. This season has been the best season ever for the amount of deer that I've been able to see. I mean, I have seen double digits, like, on the 20 mark deer, you know, 20 plus. A lot of people's like, oh, I see that in one day. Well, you got to yeah. remember, dude. I mean, this is a completely different case and i I do strictly public land you know Uh, most of the things that i do are heavily pressured and i I usually get to see deer when people don't see a deer throughout the whole season until the last minute and then they end up killing some i miss five times five those thanks to the lord i miss those things like if i if i miss five bucks do i be in a mental hospital right now (laughs) you know i mean think about this she was five those Every single miss happened for a reason. The first miss that happened, as I was walking in, I bumped three those. And I knew, dude, I knew I was like, I'm fixing a bump a deer. That gum. I'm fixing it. And I took three more steps and it, I bumped them. It's cool, though. It's cool to hear you say that because you do reach. There is a certain level of deer hunter that knows when he's about to bump deer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of remember whenever I got to that point where i'm like man it's gonna happen it's right looking now theory yeah. i'm about to yeah. bump one mm-hmm. yesterday yeah <laughs> when we when got we into all there. that sign yeah. on top of that ridge i was hoping, it was like yeah. any minute now dude we're i thought that we're, yeah i thought that it was gonna take off running to a ride where it has all that sage grass and all that mm-hmm. stuff that's where i got my eyes on because i was like a we're not, I mean, like, if he's bedded down right there, we're not even going to see him until he's, like, running away, you know. But anyways, I was, like, before that, I used to stomp my way through through the forest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it's like, what is, oh, man, that's a deer, you know, the thing's, like, 200 yards away. Because I bump it, didn't realize. You know? So I bump him, and, and I'm telling myself, and I'm guilty of this, I will start really stealthy man super quiet like a, i mean like a like a cat you know like like a lion you know sneaking up on a prey <laughs> and after an hour or so my mind start playing tricks upon me and then i will start slowing i mean uh speeding up a little bit and i lose focus and concentration and that day was one of the cases i said dude i'm fixing to bump something and i'm telling that as i'm taking a step boom bump through those got down on my knees and i got some brushes in front of me and the doses stopped man like right there they knew that something was up they just couldn't see me so i went ahead and drew back my bow you know i had time do i had time 
to get my range finder, range one of them girls and put an arrow. But I just went ahead and I said, oh, that's like 25, you know, and send it. <laughs> and it was more like 20 because I went like clear her back, you know. And I was like, oh, man. Okay, so following day. And all this happened like in, in a period of about a month. Um, then I seen that the same day, I seen three more does, but they were just too far away to try to sling an arrow. Uh, following day, man, uh, I'm in a tree and I got this doe walking towards me and, uh, I'm like, all right, she's fixing to go down. And then she bed down about 26 yards behind a privet and she bed in there for like an hour and I was upset really upset because i couldn't stop shaking and i guess it was all the anxiety because you know i want to break the ice i want to kill the first one like we're in october you know it's early season i want to get it going and i so i can stop shaking i'm really really <laughs> getting pissed off and i'm like i'm about to throw a rock or something i'm like go away or do something but just don't be better than no more finally she stands up man she stood up and started walking towards me about 20 yards Perfect broadside. And I went ahead, drew back, release, and hit a little bit of limb in front of me. You know, I could have been a little bit more patient. I don't wait for about an hour on her being bedded down. The wind is perfect. Everything was perfect. I could have let her walk a five more feet and have like a 15-yard shot. Clear. But I rushed the shot, you know. Well, second lesson. Third lesson, I was, I was walking in. I saw two does bedded down. And the only reason what I saw is because I saw something white moving. And because of the height, I thought that it was a squirrel jumping from the ground to it in, into a tree. And I stopped and just kind of keep looking. And next thing I know, there's two does bedded down right there. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, man. So I started walking down the drainage, like way down, like 300 yards somewhere in there. Super quiet. And then came all the way up. And I forgot my rangefinder. <laughs> and I made it up, and they're like right there. And I'm like, that's like 40. It was more like 30 or 30 something because I, I got short, you know. And I was like, again, man, I mean, like, what am I thinking? You know, sometimes I just get blind myself and go on without realizing, like, I mean, I, I have to follow certain steps in order to be uh, efficient, you know. And then the last one. Uh, was when I called you. I was about to cry, man. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Um, how do I? Oh, this one was up there. That's the one that I wasn't able to recover. Oh no! Hold on. And then another one comes by that day. I remember, uh, like the following day after, I was thinking on them two those. A deer. I'm, I'm just sitting right there looking up. It's super windy, and I look to my right, and there's a deer right there. I can see the head of it because there's a bunch of privilege and all that. But it's a deer right there. Who knows for how long the thing has been standing right there. And I say, oh, deer, that's like a 30. And I go, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, a, yeah, laser uh, eyes. You know, that's a 30-yard shot. Drew back, clean, clean his or her back. I, I, I just never knew what it was. But I was, again, like, why am I rushing this shot? You know, like, the thing has been standing there. Who knows for how long? Mm -hmm. I could have just grabbed my range finder. Well, missed that one. And then the one that I missed when I called you, that she came in behind me. It was a group of four. And I, she was a big one. And, and I felt like I drew back and I had an issue. Remember, my uh, release 
the trigger instead of being on the outside for some reason it was on the inside like right underneath my shin and i'm there trying to squeeze my finger in between the string and in between my shin like that trying to get it right here <laughs> that's weird yeah it's usually out here you know and this is your anchor point like the top of your hand mm -hmm. right here and I, so i'm squeezing my finger in between the string and the sheen like right underneath my sheen bone and and that changed my my anchor point and i released i hit her high and it really uh buggered me out the fact that i wound her i wound her bad man and uh and i wasn't able to recover you know because uh, i mean at the end of the day what i want to do is be as ethical and as human as possible and put a clean good clean shot in harvest I don't want to be wounding animals. I mean, unfortunately, that's the kind of things. I mean, they're gonna happen. And, and it know? still happens to to people who've been hunting forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you 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 kind of you don't take it lightly for yeah. yourself. Mm -hmm. And and what I would imagine is probably this off season you're gonna really try to find that. I mean, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. <clears throat> try to find the reason why my target panic yeah. just seems to be yeah just seems to be off like i'm just i've yeah. got to figure that part out but i think it i always think it's cool man whenever i meet people like you who um you you don't feel it i've never felt like you felt you were too good to ask for help in a certain situation no, or uh to admit that you kind of screwed up on a shot or something yeah. like that like you're gonna get people who, if you Never, if you just yeah. posted on Facebook exactly like what you just said, oh yeah, who would be like, well, you shouldn't even be taking a shot at a deer that you couldn't tell if it was a buck or a doe. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's what they would pick out yeah, of that whole story, like and you're like, yeah. well, what? Come on. Well, they, they will be like, a, you should be doing a little bit more of a target practice in sun so you can actually know how much is the difference because everybody's a master. You know, they don't need the range. And, finder, and you, you know? and it's not something that you don't already know. No, like, man. And, and yeah. guys like you, you're going you're gonna to figure out a way to fix it, man. I, I just, I think it's really cool, really respect you and how you hunt. Appreciate that a lot, dude. How you've uh, really just kind of figured it out. Not on your own, but... Yeah the right way with a with some help from other people like mr michael perry yeah too. with mr michael jamie mr tony you know all those guys michael pike uh i yep. mean we can go you we can go with a huge list and i'm so sorry if i don't mention everybody you know yeah but i mean everybody knows like how many guys don't help me out like they're like a, yeah hey dude and and something that i do i try to learn as much as i can from everybody and try to put that all in one package yeah and try to use it you know and i and like you say it's not about like taking your spots or nothing like that no it's about i want to know yeah. what you do and how do you read this land so i can mimic what you do in a different area you know yeah. um the I, I mean we could go like i said we can go hours with this you know i mean seriously but i wasn't i, I didn't know how to read a topo map never had a chance or nothing like that my neighbor one of my few neighbors mr joe he's a he's a bed you know he's a, a army bed and uh him and his wife they they volunteers for the rescue squad on bankhead you know and um he was like you need a map and i was like where can i get one he was like do you know how to read a map and i was like 
well, I mean, no. <laughs> Not really. You know, I was like, I just look at this thing and it says banquet. So it means it's right there. He's like, come on, come on, boy, let me show you. And uh, Mr. Joe and Miss Julia, uh, they taught me how to read like Potopo maps and how to like put myself on land and kind of like try to find my way out because banquet is a really tough place, you know. And then, like I said, Mr. Michael Perry, man. Uh, um, Michael Pike, I did a lot of scouting with him too. Um, Mr. Tony, man, at some point, Mr. Tony started uh, driving me. Or I was with him around the mountain scouting, and I was like, he was he was asking me, like, what will you do right here in this situation? And I was like, I would like to climb this area, and I would like to be facing this bluff or facing this uh, um, gap. And uh, he was like, you're busted already. You know, <laughs> and I was like, why? A cool way to learn. Yeah. And I was like, why? And then he was pointing all this, like, you don't, you're not realizing, like, in the morning, all your senses, because uh, I didn't know anything about thermals. Most people don't. You know? That's the, mm-hmm. that's the funny thing. And that's why I think it, it, you're so much further ahead than probably, like, 70% of deer hunters no, out there, because most people don't even realize that thermals are a thing yeah. until fairly recently, yeah. right? And so, like... Man, I just, I think it's super cool how you've had those opportunities yeah. and you've really taken them. You don't take them for granted. And, yeah, um, and you've kind of created the opportunity for yourself. But we're getting here right yeah. close to an hour of, uh, of talking about this. At this point, I still don't know what I'm going to call this podcast because I kind of feel like we went all over the place. What about but- if we call it the Amateur Hour? You call it amateur. Yeah, I that mean, feels insulting to you. No, no, because I mean, at some point we're all wearing there. Yeah, at some point we all learn it, regardless if you were five, six, seven years old, learning with your uncle. I mean, your daddy or your grandpa. At some point we were in there. In my case, I was late to the party, and I was 22, 23 years old when I started hunting. Yeah, and that was my amateur hour. You know, and I and I take that like with a lot of pride because thanks to all those wrong things that I did and all that stuff that happened, you know, that's pretty much where I got to where I'm in right now. So yeah, we're talking about like we've been here for a little bit over an hour. And I got about a two hours and a half, something like that, right? That's where I'm going in that WMA. I'm gonna be hunting tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. Best case scenario, I'm gonna be back home on Sunday. And I'm going to try to go to Bank Hit, uh, see if I can put a nail on the coffin. Never know. Good deal. Yeah, definitely, man. Sounds like a plan, dude. That is a plan. So thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. And thank you guys out there, man. And, um, y'all be safe. Good luck for the rest of the season. And God bless America. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And as always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.